God orchestrates these things. All right, I invite you to turn or follow words up on the screen. We're going to be studying uh, here at week number four of Vacation Bible School is about believing, about walking by faith. How about some um, verses uh, of Scripture that have faith or believing in them? All right, audience participation time. Raise your hand. A verse of Scripture that mentions faith. It'd be real sad on this live streaming to have a congregation that doesn't know a thing about faith. All right, Tom, get us started. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 there. Thank you. Great hallmark text. All right, let me, we'll prime the pump here a little. Debbie. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. That was our Bible study Wednesday night when the men were together. And just, that's Hebrews 11.1 1, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For everyone who believes in or comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6. That's good. Do you heard this one? Fight the good fight of faith. That's right. And we saw the synonymous with the noun faith is the verb believing. And we confessed that with John 3.16 this morning. So this is such a, a suitable uh, theme to look at for a few minutes together here. We're in Philippians chapter 3. And let's pray before we... Turn to the Word of God. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, that every word of yours, every word of God is pure, and you are a shield to those who take refuge in you. We have laid our hands this morning, but Lord, how much more you have laid your hands upon us. Because you're the all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-present God. You beset us behind and before and lay your hand upon us. And we bless you for that. And ask now in these moments that you would grant us your Holy Spirit so that every person here today will have understanding as we read and explain and seek to apply the Word of God to our lives, to faith and to believing that we might fight this good fight. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Philippians chapter 3 at verse 3 for we are the circumcision what Paul is talking about here is who are the true people of God and you know there was this big argument some of the legalistic Jews were saying no you got to be circumcised to be saved and Paul is hammering out the doctrine of justification uh, throughout his letters and so he's wanting them to understand it is all by the grace of God alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone that's the gospel the gospel is not do better, try harder, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and would you finally get with it. That's not the gospel. The foundation of the saving salvation in Christ. We are the circumcision. That is, we're the true people of God. Listen to the three ways he explains who a Christian is. Who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh and have no confidence 
in the flesh. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, the Apostle Paul says. And listen now to his pedigree. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through the faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. This is the word of God. Philippians chapter 3, a remarkable passage of Paul sharing his personal testimony. And so, much to learn here. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, three words this morning, hopefully that can help you give a little sense of how you can grow in your faith. Maybe how you can come to faith if you've never come to saving faith before. But coming and growing in this faith, this is what Paul is emphasizing here. And here's my illustration to kind of get us going this morning. It's biking. And the bike I'm referring to does not have a motor on it. It has two pedals on it. And I had a bike uh, handed down to me by my older brother a few years ago. It's about a 20-year-old bike, but a beautiful road bike. You know, the drop handlebars, the English uh, racer style, uh, clipless pedals and, and the whole thing. Well, um, that would have been harder to ride up in the mountains of Georgia, but Florida was really conducive to road biking. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to take advantage of that. I've got to get out. I've, I, I, I need time. It's kind of my prayer closet some days just to get up. I like being out of the house before 6.30 and watching the sunrise, riding through the Starkey Wilderness Park and all of that. It's a great way to, to uh, get some exercise. But anyway, I was really getting irritated. I was really getting irritated by how many people were passing me on my road bike. You know, men, bad enough, but a lot of the ladies were whizzing by me as well. <laughs> That was a declaration of war on my part. <laughs> All right, so initially slow, passed by many. How in the world do I make progress? So I studied this. I would watch as ones were whizzing by me and, and look at the way it's not the bike. I got no excuse. An old bike mechanic told me a couple years ago, it's the only bike you'll ever need, Lutz. I can't blame it on the equipment. 
What has to happen here? Well, in analyzing this and talking about this with some people, I realize there are three things here that I have to do to make progress. Number one, I've got to be lighter, because there's a whole big issue about weight on who's sitting on the bicycle. You know, you can talk about weight of the bicycle all day long, and good bikes are just very, very light, but it's the one sitting on the bicycle. All right, uh, lighter, and I've got to be stronger. Got to be stronger. If you, you look at the frame of serious road bikers, I mean, they are mean and lean and just streamlined and uh, calves that are the size of thighs sometimes. And uh, so stronger, lighter, stronger. And then I realized one of the things that's key is building endurance to be able to ride farther. You know, until your seat gets conditioned, you know, about a mile out and a mile back is plenty. But we're talking about rides of 25, 30 or more miles long you want to get conditioned to and even beyond that. So farther, farther, you've got to develop stamina to ride farther. And there's no shortcut uh, to that. So I was thinking about this because I was meditating all week about this passage of faith here. And it just, it struck me, you know, that fits perfectly. That's Paul's outline, lighter, stronger, and farther. Let me show you what I mean. First of all, he talks about shedding this confidence in the flesh, right? He talks about that. He talks, here he said, though I might have, well, he defined a Christian as being one who worships God in spirit, rejoices in Jesus Christ, and has no confidence in the flesh. No confidence. So it, a no confidence vote means you put it down. You need to shed the weight of confidence in the flesh. Devoted road bikers are lean. And I've had, I've had weight to lose. All right, well, what's the, what's the flesh? When he says not having confidence in the flesh, what's the flesh? The flesh is our fallen nature. It's not talking so much about skin and bones and that. He's talking about our fallen nature that we inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve, right? Adam represented all. When Adam sinned, we sinned all in him by virtue of his representative role. And, and so sinful thinking and sinful patterns of living, that's what marks the flesh. The flesh then is opposite of what? The spirit. A renewed human spirit, but even more, the Holy Spirit, right? For example, in, in uh, Galatians chapter 5, where we read about the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things. Well, in the context there, Paul is teaching about the fact that those fruit of the spirit need to replace in our Christian lives the works of the flesh. That's right. They're constant. There's, there's no reconciliation between those two. And the works of the flesh are all bad, ugly, injurious. But the fruit of the Spirit's all good, isn't it? And so that's why there's this tension in this warfare. It's worldliness. One old preacher, preach, Albert Martin, preached a famous sermon. The title of it was, A Bad Record and a Bad Heart. That's how we are born. That's our nation. Not neutral. Not innocent. We have a bad record and we have a bad heart. And it needs to be transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? That's the flesh, Paul said. But you see, 
how can we have confidence in the flesh then? Well, what does Paul say? He boasted in his circumcision on the eighth day, according to the letter of the law, right? In the old covenant. He boasted in the ceremonies, his family's heritage, had great pride in his Jewish heritage. And Jewish, a Jewish heritage is a great blessing. Paul talks about that in Romans, how what a blessing it is to be of ethnic Israel. But we can put all of our stock, not in the Word of God, but in Ancestry.com. When you think about it. He trusted in the law. He was zealous. He assessed himself. He gave himself a summa cum laude grade of righteousness based on his own works. How in the world are you going to shed this confidence in the flesh well Paul came to the point of counting them loss for Christ and willing to suffer the loss of all things that he may gain Christ how could such radical surgery take place on the human heart well read Acts chapter 9 and you read about the road to Damascus and how God knocked him off his high horse of pride and all of these dimensions of confidence in the flesh and how great he was and God just knocked him down and blinded him for three days but in that he was giving him spiritual sight because Jesus Christ in his resurrected glory revealed himself to Paul Paul was not seeking Jesus there is none who seeks God no not one when Paul wrote that, quoting that from the Old Testament in the Romans, he had to be thinking about himself. How religious you can be and be lost. And by the way, that's the hardest witness. People, the hardest people to witness to are the religious lost. Because we're so entrenched in our pride. And we focus on the confidence in the flesh. So what's the goal? to shed the weight of the confidence in the flesh and to gain Christ, to gain Christ. Missionary martyr Jim Elliot put it so beautifully, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Have you ever heard those famous words? Oh, you ought to make known of them. Make known. Make note of them. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Lighter. <laughs> If you're going to go fast, you're going to make progress on a bicycle, you've got to be lighter. We've got to lose the weight of me, myself, and I, and we need to gain Christ as our prophet, priest, and king. So let me ask you this morning, what are you willing to deny yourself of in order to gain more of Christ? You need to think about that. Where are you placing confidence? in the flesh. If you were asked, what are you going to say to God standing before him on the judgment day, why he should let you into heaven? And if you beginning any sentence with the word I, my fear is your confidence is in your flesh. I've heard it a hundred times through the years. Well, I, I haven't done this or that that other people have done, and I've, I've tried to do this, and I've tried to do that. Well, me, myself, and I, that's a very unholy trinity and will never save you your best efforts. You have to gain Christ 
by his grace and through faith in him. You know, there are little ways that we can deny ourselves and gain Christ. I'll just give you a personal example. I've loved the game of golf since I was, was a boy, grew up playing with my dad, happy memories with my brothers and so forth. And there's a nice afternoon when the U.S. Open or the British Open or it's on the TV and I can just lounge back there and spend three or four hours in front of it. And, you know, some days I need that and I don't need to repent of that. But I'd had a growing conviction in my heart, you know, I can look at the score at the end of the day in 10 minutes or 10 seconds and I really learned what I wanted to learn. And I realized God had convicted my heart that I've been wasting too much time in front of the tube some days and, needed, and need to put that into reading something more profitable. All right. Well, you're staring at me. Do you need to turn the TV off? Huh? You need to spend a little more, less time in front of the tube and to open the word. All right. Just to show. Got to be lighter. Got to be lighter. Got to be stronger. So how do you grow stronger? You grow stronger as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul speaking, this I'm using stronger because this is the way he puts it. Yet I count all things lost, verse 8, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And then he comes back to this, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And so Paul wants to be strengthened in his knowledge of Christ as his Lord and Savior. Serious road bikers have strong legs and strong, strong lungs. You say, well, why? Well, Paul says, because of the excellence of the knowledge of him. He says, yes, I, I indeed count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. This is excellent truth. This is the most important of all relationships. It's excellence because it's really valuable. You know, losing loved ones isn't easy, is it? And especially over the course of a few years, when you can count, use all your fingers and have to go to your toes to call, count the loved ones who've gone. It's really tough. The week began, I picked up the phone, I think it was Monday evening, or Sunday evening or Monday evening, and, and our older son was on the phone and he was sobbing. And I said, what's up, son? He called Dad, one of his closest friends, Stan's father had been found dead in his mountain cabin up in North Georgia, right on the Tennessee border up there. Daniel loved Stan's father. When they'd go up, the boys go up to hunt and fish and, and hike and all of that up there. and his, his dad, Stan's dad, had gone up and they hadn't heard from him for a couple days. So Daniel got on the phone. They got in contact with neighbors. Neighbors went over and found him dead. Somehow or another, he'd fallen down the staircase and, and bled out. His dad, Stan, was just terrible. Dan was just sobbing over this. So where do we live in? Are you prepared? We all heard it on the news again this week. Another shooting coming into a and an office like that. Now I got a phone call Friday morning and, and Cheryl was weeping. She couldn't find a pulse on Craig. Well, God has his time. God has his time. But the point is this. 
Paul said earlier in this same book of Philippians, to live is Christ, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Death is not a tragedy for the Christian. When Jim Elliott, at 29 years of age, along with four other missionaries, went down into the deep Amazon River jungles of Ecuador and doing all they could to make contact with a prehistoric tribe and yet ended up being speared in the river and all giving their lives, men who had young wives, some had children already at that time, you know, it just looks like such a tragedy. And in one sense, of course, it is. But in another sense, do you know how God used that? Elizabeth Elliot, Jim's wife, went on to write his story in the shadow of the Almighty. Have you read that book? We've got a copy, I believe, in our library here. It comes from Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And through that martyr's death, his story has been proclaimed to the world and hundreds and thousands of people have given their lives to Christ and gone into Christian missions because of the testimony of Jim Elliot. He is no fool. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And for the Christian, death is gaining heaven. And you cannot lose that. But you see why the knowledge of Christ is so vital. It's so excellent. It's enduring. It's encouraging. It's comforting. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Even just from a secular point of view, there's no one on the stage, the entire stage of human history that has appeared to Jesus of Nazareth. And I pray you will gain in your understanding of him. I thought of John Newton. What's the most famous hymn that he wrote? Amazing Grace. What a wretched, reprobate life he had lived. But when he was converted, an extraordinary conversion, God brought those seeds that his mother had planted in his life as a little child, brought those to growth all those years later after being a captain on a slave ship of all things. But what a Christ-centered man. I, this, this, this is another of John Newton's hymns. He wrote many, many of them. And we're going to sing and learn more of them in the hymnal there. Here's one. Here's one. One there is above all others. That's the name of this hymn. One there is above all others. One there is above all others well deserves the name of friend. His is love beyond a brother's, costly, free, and knows no end. They who once his kindness prove find it everlasting love. Which of all our friends to save us could or would have shed his blood? But our Jesus died to have us reconciled in him to God. This was boundless love indeed. Jesus is a friend in need. Oh, I'd love to read. I don't have time. The other stanzas. But that's growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in order to be found in Him. The righteousness which is through faith in Him. In particular, Paul is praying that the power of His resurrection might be at work in His life. What a prayer today.
If the power that raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in your life, there is no sin, no pattern of living that you cannot overcome. In Romans chapter 8, Paul puts it that way, that you put these things to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you grow in your knowledge of this, how to go about spiritual warfare, how to fight against the world and the flesh and the devil, and you see the excellence of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and his beauty and his power and his grace more and more. Paul said, if by any means, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now don't read that as a doubt of his salvation or where he stood with the Lord. Somebody put it this way, quote, Paul recognizes that the believer's perseverance depends on the will and the working of the sovereign God. That's why he wrote in chapter 1, verse 6, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who began the work? God began the work. Who promises to complete it until the day of Christ? God does. God perseveres the work that he begins. In the second chapter of this letter, Paul said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have also always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, you say, well, that sounds like salvation by works, nothing of the sort. He's simply emphasizing human responsibility there because he completes the sentence saying this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's the sovereign grace of God that brings you to him keeps you in Him, and perfects you in Christ, even till that final glorious last day. And that's what Paul's eyes were on. Stronger. We need to be willing to endure any hardships, any trials, any tribulations, to attain this glorious end of knowing Christ. More of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. Do you sense, do you have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? You can know him that way, and you can know the power of his resurrection and his presence when you're lonely, his strength when you're weak, his grace when you're fallen. What a savior, he doesn't break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick. Who loves like that's love of another kind. May you grow in the grace and knowledge of him. That was Peter's theme of his life. It's a last line in his second later letter. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You got room to grow? We've got room to grow. Oh, what a glorious thing it is. But you need to, I want to ask you this morning, what are you doing day by day to grow stronger in the knowledge of Christ? Do you take time to open the Word? Do you ever have days where you don't feel like reading the Bible? Yeah. Read it anyway. <laughs> Learn to grow in self-discipline. I'll tell you what I do some days. Recognize this? Idiot box? No, this is a great blessing right here. Because there's a free app. It's called the version. And when I don't feel like re reading at 4 or 4.30 in the morning, I can't go back to sleep. I know myself well enough. I can turn this on and I can listen to Scripture for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. What a blessing. So what are you doing day by day to grow stronger 
in the knowledge of Christ. You need, to, you need to open the word. You need to commune in prayer. It's beautiful. Lighter, stronger, farther. Let me wrap this up. Farther, reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Did you know how Paul said? Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. We can all say to that, amen. We're further down the road than we were. This time last year, by his grace. But we haven't attained. We haven't arrived. I reminded our friends next door this morning, you know, you get into retirement age and all of that. That is no time to be coasting. We ought to have our strongest devotions or whatnot in our most senior years. We ought to be continuing to ramp up. Uh, yeah, we may retire from full-time vocational work, that sort of thing, but the, the beauty is this, that as we grow, we are growing closer to Him. We are growing in that path of righteousness the sun shines brighter and brighter until perfect day and so we want to reach forward to the things that are ahead and the older we are in Christ the more passionate we should be the more prayer warriors we should be the more bold witnesses we should be and so Paul denies that he has already arrived and this is good counsel forgetting the things that are behind and what? Pressing on to lay hold. Pressing toward the goal for the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's one of the greatest challenges I face. Forgetting the things that are behind. How prone are you to replay the things where we got off the path or we were done in or done wrong or whatever it may be. And we just focus on that garbage. How much of the past can you change? <laughs> Virtually none. Now, at times you can go back and make reparation and be reconciled, and God will lead us to do those things. But there are all kinds of things that we need to forget instead of forgetting the things we ought to remember, right? Paul forgets the things that are behind, and he reaches forward to this, the things that are ahead. Heavens before him, glory awaits. I love how Oswald Chambers, this is his May 2nd devotional in my utmost for his highest. He said, it is a bad thing to be satisfied spiritually. Kind of like where I am, you know. Studied a good bit, read a Christian book, feeling pretty good. I'm just going to enjoy this for a while. Be careful. I think Oswald Chambers is right. It's a bad thing to be spiritually satisfied, satisfied spiritually. Now, of course, there's that sense of knowing Christ and resting in Christ. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a carnal security here. It's a bad thing to be satisfied spiritually. Our reach must exceed our grasp. That is a marvelous line. That was worth coming this morning to hear that. Our reach must exceed our grasp. Do you understand what he's saying? If we know Christ, we've grasped him. Well, it's better theology. He's grasped us. But he's saying, okay, we have this. We under have this understanding, but we need to reach beyond that. To continue growing, there's more of Christ. Do you realize we'll be learning more of the grace and truth of Jesus Christ for all eternity? <laughs> we're, not, we're not fishing in a small little... Florida pond here, people. A limitless ocean of grace and truth. Have this mind, Paul says. 
Oswald Chambers said, beware of the danger of relaxation spiritually. Beware. All right. So I'm going to get on the bike probably again tomorrow morning. And I'm going to pass some people. Because I'm a little lighter. I'm a little stronger. And I'm riding a little farther than I ever used to. But if it's anything like last Friday morning, I'm going to get passed again. And that doggone lady, that just drives me nuts. It's good humility. This is an old gospel song, and I want to close with this today. The light of my life. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry o'er the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that we can read a testimony of the Apostle Paul. and What a trophy of grace you made him to be. And Lord, you have spoken to us through him because we're no different in our need to shed the works and the confidence in the works of the flesh and to press on to know the Lord. And in season and out of season, Lord, to seek to be faithful and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. We're thankful for the assurance of your love. Oh, how tender you are to us, Lord. How merciful. You've given us this day a new month, a new week. Lord, we don't know how long this old world has. But Lord, we have opportunity to glorify you and to walk with you. And we thank you that you hold our hand. And so bless us now. We're going to come to the Lord's table. And Father, we want to come in a worthy way today. And so bless us as we sing and as we prepare our hearts to feed spiritually on the sacrifice of our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Would you turn in your hymnals, please, to number 336, and we'll stand and sing. Stand as you're able. 336. One of the beautiful things about this hymnal is there's a scripture verse below the title of every hymn. This hymn is based, this great hymn of William Cooper is based on the prophecy of Zechariah 13.1. There shall be a fountain opened for sin. And of course Cooper saw that in the very side of our Savior as he died upon the cross. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains lose all 
sinners plunged beneath that flood, whose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away, wash all my sins away, wash all my sins away, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away dear dying lamb thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of god be saved to sin no more he saved sin no more, be saved to sin no more, till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Ever since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing word Redeeming love has been my theme And shall be till I die And shall be till I die And shall be till I die Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing thy power to save. I'll sing thy power to save. I'll sing thy power to save. Then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. seated and elders you'll come forward
Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You see, even Jesus was thinking forward until that day when he would drink the cup new in the kingdom of God. You read about that in Revelation chapter 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb. What a glorious day. Isn't it good to be a positive people who in the midst of all of the politics and all of the phone calls and all that happens, there is a joy that we can't be robbed of because it's rooted in Jesus. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And today you and I can have courage and hope just to go forward. I remember how Elizabeth Elliot said sometimes her, her, she just had to say to herself, do the next thing. Just take the next step. Just keep moving. Looking to Jesus. This is a means he's given to strengthen us in our fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Oh, it's a fight? Yep, it sure is. To hold on. Hold on with all we can. But then we rest because it's his hold on us that perseveres us. But through this means, when we come now and by faith, we take this bread in this cup and we focus on what they symbolize, the body, the blood, and the sacrifice of Jesus. He will spiritually strengthen us. We will feed upon Him spiritually. This, just is, this isn't a memory exercise alone. This is where the power of the Holy Spirit works through this as a means of grace to strengthen us and to assure us of our salvation. As sure as it's bread, as sure as it's the fruit of the vine, His body was given for us, His blood was shed for us, and it is finished. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come now, we would come worthy. For your word calls us to walk worthy of the calling we've received. Not depending on our own works, Lord. But rather, Lord, coming sincerely in this morning. Having a profound sense of our need for your grace. To forgive us of all of our sins. Lord, to give us that blessed assurance. So that we can live boldly and courageously, that we can say with Joshua, choose this day whom you may serve, you will serve, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so, Lord, strengthen us now, we come. Bless all those who are disciples here, Lord. Bless us who have sought to be reconciled as best we can with, with our fellow man and to hold short accounts with you, O oh Lord. If we waited till we were perfect, Lord, we would never come. We would confess before you this morning like Paul, Lord, we haven't arrived. We should be much further down the road than we are. Much stronger, much leaner spiritually. But Lord, by your grace, we are who we are. And oh, Lord God, I just sense it's not just a woodpecker hammering at the glass this morning. It's you, it's you hammering on our hearts. For us, 
Yes, to hang our heads in shame, but yet don't leave them there, Lord. We look up to you now in this moment. And we want to feed upon you and be strengthened, O Lord. And so bless your people as they come. In Jesus' name, amen. Elders, will you come? And I will hold this plates of bread. and Come up the center aisle and then return on the outward aisles. And Understand the privilege it is to come. Jesus has offered himself willingly for you. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. How precious that promise is to me today. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die forever. He is the way and the truth and the life. He is the vine. We are the branches. He is the great prophet who proclaimed the will of God and obeyed it perfectly. He is our great high priest who ever lives to intercede for us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us sinners. He is our king, our king who subdues us to himself, who rules and defends us and destroys all of his and our enemies. And he is our good shepherd who laid down his life for us. Let's eat in faith that the bread of life was broken for us. Strengthen us day by day, Lord Jesus. Strengthen our faith. How many times, Lord, you spoke to your disciples. Oh, you of little faith. Where is your faith? Lord, stir it up within us. 
For you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And as we receive this cup, Lord, help us to rejoice in the truth that our sins are forgiven. You've cast them behind your back and removed them as far as the east and from the west. And in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our sins that were as scarlet have become as white as snow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Drink, everybody. What a joy to sit at the table with the Lord. Amen. Oh, what anticipation this should give us. Well, I want you to take your bulletins. And if you all can cut the music back there, that's good. But if not, we're going to sing right over it because we're going to sing the doxology as we conclude this morning. Let's stand and sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go in peace, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You're dismissed. Oh, benevolence offering. Okay. Tom, do you want to go? Do you want to pass while they're standing here? Whatever. Or, yes. Or we can do it at the back. All right. These are gifts so that those who have needs can have some material relief, food, whatever is needed. So thank you for the reminder. I appreciate it.